Hello, everyone. This is Joanne LaRock. This is my third podcast. And again, I'm in my backyard on my back deck. And I was listening to the robins singing earlier around 4.30 or so when I first got up. And I thought, well, this would be a great time to do my third podcast because you could really hear them singing. But it was pitch dark. And I just wanted my cup of coffee. So (laughs) I had my cup of coffee. Now I'm on the back deck and I can still hear some robins and crows and some frogs as we're close by Whitson Lake here in Northern Ontario. And some of the early going to work traffic and it's just kind of peaceful at the same time. So this morning, I'd like to talk about loneliness. It's kind of a heavy subject. And again, I'd like to uh, repeat that I am not a psychiatrist, psychologist, counselor. I am just in 60, a woman in her 60s that has had various uh, life's experiences and uh how it it has affected me and what I've done to overcome certain issues that have come up, including loneliness. And it's, it's so strange that nowadays we're all connected to some degree, mostly if we're on the internet and using social media. We can easily go on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, and all of a sudden there's a barrage of... Uh, people doing their thing, living their lives, and so on. And it's wonderful to see uh, people having a great life because a lot of people portray that. But at the same time, it can make a person feel lonely or unfulfilled. But before social media, there were times in my life where I was lonely and how I overcame that. And that's just what my podcast is about, is from my life lessons on how I overcame certain uh, issues that came up and what I did. And maybe there's something that I've done or even my husband, when at times he was lonely or lonely for routine that he had before, etc., were he overcame those moments in time where you feel alone. So I'll go back with my history. Uh, When I was younger, I lived with my grandparents, and it was a small home in Goward, north of Tamakami. I wasn't lonely. Uh, I I love my parents, but where they lived, there wasn't any school, so that's why I live with my grandparents. And there was already three younger brothers, so I didn't really miss them. I love my parents, but I didn't miss them because when I lived with my grandparents, it was busy. I was attending a one-room school house in Goward. Uh, with my grandparents, they operated a little general store. My father, my grandfather, Raphael Millet, Slim Millet, because he was tall and thin. Uh, he also worked at the lumber uh, mill that was there. And my grandmother uh, also had a little ice cream pop 
shop off her veranda. This was in 1962. Uh, and so, so anyway, uh, but with the two of them, I wasn't lonely with them. And I didn't miss my parents. But I think it's because they, we were surrounded by so many other people and just I received a lot of attention. Then we moved up north uh, at various, with my parents. I moved back with my parents and we lived in various uh, other smaller hydro communities. One being Abitibi Canyon. <clears throat> and it was a, a small community of 85 families in uh, two colonies, they called it, in the middle of the bush, south of Moosonee, uh, north of Cochrane's Rock Falls, Capiscasing. But again, I wasn't lonely because we had, uh, it was a busy life. And I think that was the key there was that it was a busy life. And there was a lot of activities for us to do. Ontario Hydra at the time built this multi-million dollar recreation center and being an athlete, I loved all the competitive sports I was able to do. And I had a lot of friends, and I, I just wasn't lonely. But when I ended up having um, found out that I had scoliosis, I was, uh, my parents, my dad drove me from Abitibi Canyon to Toronto. And I was at Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto for a month, <clears throat> and then five months. Back then, it was called the Ontario Cripple Children's Center. <clears throat> so at Sick Kids, uh, after my dad dropped me off, and then I had my scoliosis operation, which straightened my spine two inches. I was there for a month. I wasn't lonely per se. Uh, because it, it was there maybe a day or so, and then I had surgery, and then I was out of it for after that kind of uh, back surgery, straightening my spine, and then recovery, uh, two weeks on a striker frame where they would flip me every four hours, and then uh, I, I must have been in so much pain that they had given me different... Uh, medications. I was only 15 years at the time in 1972. And then I was moved over for the balance of five more months, so six months away from my parents, to the Ontario Crippled Children's Centre. <clears throat> and living in isolated, smaller hydro communities, we rarely saw anyone with any type of disability or um, handicap uh, kind of situation. And the first night that I was brought to the Ontario Crippled Children's Centre uh, by ambulance over to that centre for the balance of five more months was the first time I saw other children where they were either in accidents and left in vegetative type of states or severely uh, physically challenged and it was a shock. I just never saw that. And I remember calling my parents, asking the nurse for me to call my parents. And then I called them and I was just crying and screaming, like, what is all this? I've never seen this. Um, a young boy was missing part of his forehead from a duck hunting accident. Uh, a child had been thrown out of the car from a 
a car accident. They didn't have seat belts on. And I saw all kinds of children that had been in a boy that was severely burned when a cup of tea was spilt on him. He was only two, so his whole back and chest had been severely burned from that hot cup of tea. And it was just a shock. And so then I was so lonely and crying and crying and missing my family. And I wanted to get out of there. But I had to stay because I was in recovery. And in 1972, this is what they did for scoliosis patients that lived out of town. We had to stay there and recover. So eventually, I, I just got used to seeing other children and being empathetic. I wanted to help. And at the same time, I also achieved my grade 10. So they would roll myself and the other scoliosis patients on our stretchers, all with plaster casts from the underneath our shoulders all the way down to our pelvic area uh, as our backs were all uh, fused together with, with bone from our hip bones, but also with the plaster casts. We were all... Uh, we were immobile and so we'd be wheeled down to our classroom and we had a teacher that would help us with our high school education and I achieved my grade 10 but to overcome the loneliness and missing my family at 15 years old I just had that empathetic need to help others and I asked the nurses if I could help the other little children so I did, and they let me, and uh, they, they, I was able to help uh, other little babies, uh, cuddle them, change their diapers. Uh, I was able to work with other children that were mentally challenged, and they were always trying to come up with new inventions. Uh, to, for example, to feed uh, a mentally challenged child. Uh, they had some sort of invention where the child would place his hand on this kind of pulley device and then the spoon would lift up and feed them. And I just thought that was incredible. And it kept me busy. And so I, in, in June, I was uh, able to leave. I was placed in a wheelchair and then I was able to walk. And then my parents were able to come and get me and I went home. So for me, at 15 years old, to overcome my loneliness of being 900 miles away from my, my family was that I kept busy, and my heart just went out to other children. I knew I would be leaving there, and I knew I'd be able to walk again. I knew that I would be straight and taller. I grew two inches from my operation. Well, not grew, but they'd straightened me two inches. But that's how I overcame that loneliness. Jumping ahead to my first marriage, I had thyroid cancer when I was 24. And I was pregnant at the same time. And after the surgery, uh, it was decided, the doctors thought that I would need to abort the baby that I wanted so badly. <clears throat> it had been two years of trying. But... I felt, in my mind, I felt that God wanted me to have this baby. I'm. It's not that I'm pro-life or pro-choice. I was just 
pro-faith in that somehow I was pregnant and I had thyroid cancer. And I needed radioiodine treatment after my surgery, which would have deformed the baby. So I said no to the radioiodine treatments until after my son was born. I truly felt in my heart that everything would be okay. Unfortunately, though, my ex-husband had a difficult time uh, with his wife, me, just having cancer, now being pregnant. We're going to become a family. And I felt that there was now a distance between us that wasn't there before. Uh, for the first years of our married life, we were like teenagers. We didn't have kids for many years. <clears throat> and he was in the broadcasting business, so there was a, a lot of going out to parties and events and so on and so forth. And it was a lot of fun. We, we didn't have to worry about coming home to family of kids or anything like that. But now, uh, with my ex-husband worried, possibly, or not sure how to cope with all of this, his wife had cancer and she had to have radioiodine treatments, meaning myself, and I was also pregnant with my our son at 24 years old. And uh, there was now a new distance between my ex-husband and I, and I'm sure he had a difficult time coping with all of this. And that's where I became, and I felt so lonely. There was uh, some discussion between us, but basically it was just not too much. Uh, there wasn't a lot of deep, heavy discussion as to what he was going through or how I was feeling. We just kind of stopped really communicating all at the same time while I was expecting our baby. And uh, at the end of all of that, a year and a half later, I left the marriage even we did finally go for marriage counseling, and but I left with our son uh, because I really wanted to get married again someday. I wanted our son to have siblings someday. And I knew down deep this was the right decision. So I moved back home with my parents, with our, with my son, and started a new life now as a single mom. And that's not easy either. I really take my hat off to single parents, moms or single dads, because they're, even though your lives could be filled with the busyness of working and taking care of your children on your own, when they're not there or at night when they're in bed, it's very lonely. Or if you're child has gone to the other spouse's uh, place, then again, you're alone. And I was never one to go to the bars or hang out to meet someone. I just stayed in a lot. I wasn't one to uh, meet someone uh, with a whole pile of friends and, and hang out at the bar. So it that didn't help. <laughs> but I remember at times being very lonely and uh, 
but then I consume my day with uh, working, reading, going for walks, and uh, praying, praying for a better life. I did want to have a new family someday. I wanted the person that I eventually would marry someday to love God first, uh, because for me, faith in God is so important. I wanted this new person to love my son as much as as if it was his own child, and of course to love me as well. And that's what my my goals were. Unfortunately, I did uh, meet someone else, and uh, I was engaged to be married with him. And he, I thought, was great, uh, strong, uh, faithful. He went to church. But what I didn't know was that this person that was a successful building contractor was also a closet alcoholic. And when he drank, he became very feisty and argumentative and on a few occasions violent. And I and my son got out of there. And uh, I went for counseling uh, after that. But I remember the loneliness again uh, while with him, uh, who I was to be married with. So it's not easy to go through things in life when you feel you've made the right decision. And then when you're with someone who is supposed to be there with you, uh, mind, body, and soul, and, and yet you're dealing with something that isn't feeling right and you are feeling lonely. It's to figure out how to cope with that, fill your day with things that you're feeling you're kept busy with, but at the same time, it's that that sadness of, of really feeling alone. And it's it's a quite a phenomenon for many of us in society. Uh, and it's you think with everyone being socially connected, if they just go on their social media platforms and they see what all their friends or family are doing, we would feel less lonely, but I find it is a phenomenon that is uh, causing a lot of mental health distress in life. But again, for me, what I do, and I, I pray, I pray for things to get better. Jumping ahead, I met my current husband, Mike. He's wonderful, going on um, 32 years of being married and it's our second marriage, blended family. And I remember asking my husband about when him and his when he and his ex-wife separated. And he said he, for him he was never lonely after, but but he missed his kids. He has uh three three children with his ex-wife. He w- and he was lonely for that routine of coming home to seeing his three kids. So that was the the thing that really was hard for him. He what he did do, which is kind of what I should have done more on through certain times in my life when I when my marriage, uh, first marriage ended, was that he actively went out and 
did stuff. He went out and visited everybody he could visit, his sisters, his brother, his parents. He had a sister that uh, loved to play bingo, and he went with her to play bingo. And uh, he, he had another sister that she loved to sing and play music, and and he did the same. So he really worked hard at alleviating loneliness by filling his day after he worked all day on the railroad. Uh, he filled up his weekends, his evenings, with being busy and socializing. So it's unfortunate for me, though, uh, getting back to me, and I'm sure for many others, is that we, in my past, I didn't socialize enough. I didn't make an active quest to try to fill my days with more social interaction because I'm that kind of person. I I like being alone. Not lonely, but I, I'm used to being alone since I was young. I'm the daughter of uh, my parents uh, where they had six kids. I was the only daughter, the only girl. So I was used to being alone uh, and doing my own thing. I was comfortable with being myself but it wasn't good for me as a newly single parent in a way because when my son would go off to visit his his father, then I felt that emptiness. So it I reverted back to when it was when my son was gone, I missed my little guy. I would read as I did when I was young. I read a lot of my my Nancy Drew books, my magazines, my Seventeen magazine and so forth. Uh, when I was young, I would play uh, my record albums on my little record player. So I, I never really thought at a young age to reach out. I had a lot of friends, but then being in the house with my five younger brothers, it was just me that I kind of felt um, I just busied myself with my own thing. My mother wasn't uh, very communicative, and that's that's her character. So I just did my own thing. I didn't really sit and talk away with her. If I did, she was just always busy anyway. And uh, so, but with now that we're in our second marriage, uh, it's been going on 30, 32 years. We have six kids. Uh, they're adult children. Uh, we have 13 or 12 grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Uh, so we don't see them all because uh, at times because everybody's spread out and stuff happens in a blended family. But when we with the ones that we do see, they keep us busy when they're here. Um, and we're we're running after them, but we love it. We love it when they're here and visiting us, our grand our grandsons that we do get to see. Uh, but uh, and we have our own routine. We're retired now, but we have our own routine. We try to go for a walk every day. Uh, my husband loves to putter around outside. I'm doing podcasts now, but I always have other things on the go. I'm a story writer. I write poems. I write songs and so on. The latest and final bit of loneliness uh, that went on in my life was when my mother was taken away to a facility out of town by two of my brothers who 
became her final POA. Uh, And that was the family struggle I talked about in one of my earlier podcasts. I felt, and I still do feel, lonely for my mom. And that was devastating. That was a grief that was difficult to go through because not only was our maternal family falling apart by one of my brothers who I felt his quest was to crush me, I went for crisis counseling and continued on with uh, counseling over the phone because that was during COVID. One of the counselors I talked with said, you can't separate your head from your body. So when your head is suffering with sadness or despair or loneliness, your body reacts. And I'm not sure if that is because of this new grief or loneliness that happened in uh, my life and still is there because my mother is still alive, thank God. It's July 7, 2023. But I ended up with... uh, health issues. I ended up with um, high blood pressure and so on from that. I ended up having heart surgery. But the stress from that family dysfunction and the dynamics that were going on at the time was very difficult to deal with. The hardest part, though, again, was dealing with the loneliness. Uh, And now losing my mother I didn't talk to her for a brief while before she became really ill uh, because of things that were said to me and also behind my back by my mother, which I, which was, uh, I felt that she was being manipulated to say things because of this items that were said to her. And when, and you have an aging parent Uh, sometimes some of their children, and and I feel my brothers took advantage of her uh, aging and she started to believe things against me and also my youngest brother. And I felt that she turned away from us before she was taken away from her home. And that was difficult uh, to deal with. I reached out for counseling. I was encouraged by our daughter, Jessica, and uh, our our daughter, Chanel, to reach out for counseling, which I'm so glad they did. And then when I realized what was going on with my mother as far as her illness, I forgave her because I know when someone is in that kind of state of aging, let's say, she was, I felt, coerced and manipulated to believe things that weren't true. And, uh, but then now she was taken away. So it was difficult, but I kept busy after uh, she was taken away by initiating a, a lawsuit against the two brothers that were now her POA. So to alleviate the loneliness and grief I now was experiencing, even though I'm in a wonderful marriage, I have wonderful kids and grandkids, I was now dealing with 
the loss of my mother. So it uh, it goes to show you uh, how life can be up and down. And if you're fortunate enough to have a wonderful everything in life and not ever experiencing grief or loneliness, I'm so happy for you. This podcast is to let you know what, what I went through and how I was able to uh, overcome loneliness. It's something you really have to work at. It's something you cannot just sit back and just let it go by. You really have to actively try to do something to get out of this sadness that you could be in and feeling lonely. I I strongly suggest to volunteer if you can. Find a new job. Find a club to belong to. I joined a photography club. I joined a writing club. I volunteered at a, a home that where they give out and distribute groceries to persons in need. And I really love that. So it, it really is important to do what you can to change your life. and, and But don't dwell in the loneliness. Don't feel like that's the end for you. You truly deserve to be happy, surrounded by people who love you, and make your life better if you can. Okay, this is pretty heavy subject here uh, on this podcast. <clears throat> if you wish to support me uh, or send me uh, an email uh, asking me questions or offer to sponsor me, I would really appreciate that. Again, my email is J for Joanne, M for Mike, B for Brent, J for Jessica, C for Chanel, 8 at hotmail.com. So that is J-M-B-J-C-8 at hotmail.com. I wish you all the best. Uh, Try to enjoy your life and try not to feel lonely anymore. Just go for a walk if you can and or call a friend and invite someone over for coffee. Open your door to to others who also might be experiencing this uh, desperation of feeling alone. I wish you all the best. Please take care. Try to enjoy your life. It's such a short life. And try not to feel lonely anymore. All the best. Bye.